Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 254 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined by the former heavyweight world title challenger. It is, of course, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how are you doing, my man? I'm good, man. How are you? Always good when speaking to you, Eddie. That's my catchphrase when you're on. Um, yeah, let's let's dive straight into the review part of the show. There's obviously a lot to... To, to go over, we're gonna we're gonna start here, and I'm gonna straight away dive dive into my um my Spanish pronunciation, Eddie. So sit back and uh, and grasp this here. So we're gonna go. We're gonna start here at El Malecon in Torre La Vaga, uh, Cantabria, uh, in Spain. It wasn't my best pronunciation, but anyway, we're gonna start here. So it wasn't too bad, Joey. It was. Yeah, good. It was all right. Mediocre. Um, but anyway, let's let's start here. So we're going to start with um, a few fights on the bill, but I'm going to start here with a nice juicy one. I don't know if you were aware of this, Eddie, but I'm going to give it to you here. Former middleweight world champion, retired six years ago, returned to the ring for the very first time since, picked up a win. Now 52-3 and three with two draws. A seventh round KO against Jose Fandino, who's now 15-7. and seven. Uh, Fandino was down in the sixth round and once in that seventh and final round. Who made his comeback, Eddie? Do you know? Man, I would like to know now. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking, I don't know. The return of Sergio Martinez. He was back in action. What? Yeah, man, he's back. Um... Obviously retired, really? yeah, retired six years ago after losing the middleweight world title to Miguel Cotto. Obviously, his knees were all, you know, in pieces. And um, well, sorry, go on. I would like to find out what was, you know, aside from the knee, obviously the the knees, and now he feels healthy enough to be back. That's wow. Okay, I didn't watch it because I, you know, I just couldn't really be bothered, but. Apparently, he looked really good. I mean, obviously, the opposition wasn't up to much, but apparently, he looked really good. So, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a weird one, you know, six years out the ring. There's hope for you there, Eddie, and he had 50, uh, yes, 56 fights. Um, that was his 57th fight, so there we go. Um, also on the bill, very good Spanish fighter, Sergio Garcia. He's now 32-0, and 0, a unanimous decision over 10 rounds for him against Pablo Mendoza, who's now 9-5. and 5. Um, Also on the undercard, a win for former um, world title challenger Angel Moreno. He's now 21-4 and 4 with two draws, a win unanimously over six against Ricardo Martinez, now 7-3. and 3. Um, Kiko Martinez as well, former world champion, was also on the card. A win for him. That's his 41st win. He's got nine losses and two draws. A third round TKO against Noe Regoza, who's now 23 and 11 with two 
draws. I think it was a cut, actually, that um, brought that to an end. Anyway, moving out now to Germany. Talking of guys that, um, that uh, you know, retired. Once again, another fighter come back to the ring here after six years of retirement. Just like Sergio Martinez. I'm going to give you a couple clues, Eddie, because um, I don't know if... Uh, you know, this guy wasn't as big of a name, but still a good fighter. He was a cruiserweight world champion, Cuban, mm. um, and I think he was based in Germany. And, you know, he was world champion six years ago. He retired as a champion, but I think he had back issues or something. And, you know, it forced him to retire. He come back after six years out. When were you sort of competing at cruiserweight? Was that about six years ago? About that uh, yeah it was around that time yeah yeah actually no it was about seven okay seven or so, so yeah. he was so it was close so he was probably champion at the time do you do you remember this guy i remember the guy he fought steve cunningham right uh yes i believe so yep. he beat steve right yeah 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 if, if i know exactly who it is can't remember his yeah, name his name was can't remember Juan his name. pablo hernandez right okay yeah anyway 29 and 1, his record was. He came back at heavyweight. He took on mm. Kevin Kingpin Johnson over eight rounds. What? What? And you might be quite surprised, Eddie, that Kevin Kingpin Johnson was able to knock him out in the seventh round. What? Yeah. Shocker. So, um. Yo! Yeah. Again, crazy. I didn't watch the fight because, you know, Barry Jones and myself did the show last week, and Barry straight away said. Kevin Kingpin Johnson, oh, that's going to go the distance then for sure. And I just wasn't interested. Yeah. I thought it was just going to be, you know, Kevin Kingpin Johnson yeah. now, he's lost one third of his fights. You know, he's got 34 wins and 17 losses. So I didn't think he had it in him. But um, according to everyone... He lost half. Sorry, go on. He lost half his fights now? Well, well, oh, one third. He's got 34 wins and 17 losses. So, you know, it's oh, like yeah. one in every Sorry three. But... um. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, according to everyone that's watched it, he actually turned up full of motivation, which is very rare, and he was he was right up for it, and uh, he got him out of there in seven rounds. So Pablo Hernandez, one Pablo Hernandez, probably should have stayed retired. I um, mean, in you know, in in hindsight now, but a, a big win for Kevin Johnson, nonetheless. Um, moving out now to Russia, a good fight here, uh, the top of the bill at the Pyramid in Kazan. Ruslan Faifer, twenty-five and one going in, took on former world title uh, world title challenger Alexei Papin, who of course came up short. I think in his last fight or whatever, he boxed on the Kovalev yard undercard. He came up short against um, oh God Almighty, Ilunga Makabu, the guy that Tony Bell you knocked out for the cruiserweight world title. He came up short against him in a really good fight. Um, anyway, Alexei Papin won this fight here. He he TKO'd Faefer in six rounds. He's now 12-1. and one. Uh, Moving out now, though, to the Matram fight camp that took place in Brentwood, Essex, of course. Um, the the pay-per-view show. I'm going to start with the undercard. I'm going to start with the undercard. Um, hmm. Where should I start on the undercard? I'm going to start, I guess, with... With... Uh, Alan Babich, this undefeated heavyweight, he's now 4-0 with 4 KOs. He was 3-0 with 3 KOs, of course, before the fight. Um, hadn't been over two rounds. Um, hadn't boxed anyone, you know, with with 
any motivation, any anything at all to kind of give him any problems. It was a complete uh, trio of, of, of cab drivers, if you like. And he gets in against Sean Del Winters, you know, a tough guy from um, from Illinois. Um, you know, I've heard quite a few stories about him over the years. Real good sparer, apparently. And um, you know, he went he went the distance with Joseph Parker. He lost. Uh, sorry, he didn't went the distance with Joseph Parker. He went five rounds with Joseph Parker and lost. But um, he showed, you know, he showed he was real fit in that fight. Kept coming forward. Kept coming forward. Took a complete shellacking. Um, but you know, showed real toughness in that fight there. So um, I actually thought he could perhaps come and um, offer something at least to Alan Babich. Um, he can punch as well, Winters. You know, thirteen and three is record, but with twelve KOs, a few upsets against you know against prospects on the road, he comes over here. Um, I put a bit of money on him to be honest because I did fancy him. He, w- he was at a good price and. Um, he gets absolutely battered by Babich and taken out in two rounds. He just didn't get going at all. One thing that was was bizarre, though, um, you know, the press conferences, stuff like that. He turned me into a believer, Sean Del Winters. And I thought, wow, you know, maybe he really is going to do something. But it, it turned out to be all talk. He said he was in great shape and stuff like this. And I don't know, Eddie, I'm not completely kind of informed and clued up when it comes to weight. But it was a heavyweight fight. Babich weighed in at, at, at 205 pounds. Sean Dale Winters weighed in at 194 pounds. So 11 pounds mm. difference. So he weighed in as a cruiser. Well within the cruise weight limit, you know. So very yeah. bizarre. Um, anyway, moving on from that. Jack Cullen, 18-2 and two going in against Zach Chelly. Seven and one going in. It ended up in a in a split draw over ten rounds. Many felt like Chelly certainly deserved to win very wide. So a bit of a bad card there. Uh, Lufa Clay against Chris Congo again. I picked Lufa Clay to uh, you know to get the job done in that one. Um, and yeah, he was TKO'd in nine rounds. Brilliant, brilliant performance from Chris Congo. Who um, you know has answered a lot of questions really because you know it was it was on paper definitely his toughest opponent. Um, same really for Lufa Clay I suppose, but Lufa Clay, you know, just in my eyes, I, I felt like he's the silkier of the two. He's got the better boxing skills, but Chris Congo just had an answer to everything Lufa Clay did, and Chris Congo with the size as well, um, he looked very big in there. Um, Clay down in the ninth from a left hook. And then the corner through the towel in, so no, no, uh, you know, no controversial ending there. It was, it was, it was ended properly. Brilliant win for Chris Congo, twelve and zero now. Uh, that one, by the way, was for the WBO Global Welterweight Title, whatever that means. Moving up to the rematch now between Katie Taylor and Delphine Pursoon. Um Again, a real close fight. I, I feel for Pursoon. I thought she won the first fight. This fight here. I wasn't strictly scoring it, but it felt really, really close. And once again, you know, terrible scorecard from Victor Lachlan, by the way. 98-93, embarrassing scorecard. The other two uh, scorecards, I believe, were, were, were very close. But again, a unanimous decision for Katie Taylor. We knew what was going to happen. There's no way in the world Delphine Pursun was going to get, you know, get any... any uh, favours by the judges, you know. If it's close, it's going Katie Taylor's way. And... Um, I, I just couldn't believe Victor Lachlan's card, even knowing that if it was close, it was going to be going Katie Taylor's way. But um, 
All in all, you know, good fight. Once again, Delphine Pursuant, who I'd heard a lot of bad rumours about outside of the ring, her preparation and stuff like that, her condition. Um, she she showed up, you know, made it a dogfight, just like the first fight that the pair had uh, back in, I think it was June of last year. Um, but yeah, you know, got to give Delphine Pursuant credit. And Katie Taylor as well, but um, the the kind of overriding feeling online and stuff like that is that Pursun deserved to get the the victory, and I feel for her, like I say, because um, you know not only is she a you know full time uh, policewoman, she's also a top quality boxer, and uh, two fights now that have been you know close, but many felt she won in both. Uh, the majority, I think, felt she won in both fights. But there's not going to be a third, is there? Who really cares about seeing a third? So I feel I feel bad for her, man. Um, yeah, I, I don't know where she goes from here. Still a top-quality fighter, but just been very, very unlucky. Um, yeah, anyway, leaving that there. Katie Taylor still undefeated, now 16-0. and 0. It's looking like she'll be boxing Jessica McCaskill, which uh, will be probably a lot better than the first fight between the pair. Um and now the main event, Eddie, I'm going to come to you straight away. Dillian White, now 27-2. and two. He was knocked out in the fifth round by Alexander Povetkin, 36-2 and two with a draw. Um, that one was for the interim WBC World Heavyweight title and the vacant WBC Diamond Heavyweight title. Povetkin, of course, down twice in the fourth round. And um, Dillian White, you know, when he was when he was hit with that left uppercut, um, yeah, no need to count. He was absolutely asleep. Um, just tell me about mm. it. Obviously, a humongous shock for most of us in mm. the UK. You know Pavetkin mm-hmm. extremely well. Um, mm-hmm. You, I think, though, picked Dillian White to win. So I don't know if you're as shocked mm-hmm. as us a lot, or maybe you're more shocked, or maybe you're less shocked. What did you make of it? Well, I mean, I'm not as probably as shocked. You know, because I still feel I feel like you know what the experience obviously lies with Pavek and the boxing skills and know how, and he knows he knows his way around the ring. Even though he's forty, he's getting up in age. <laughs> he's a, he's already up in age, but um, there's a lot of things that he does, and and, and I, I don't know if people are going to agree, but I didn't see the fight as other people seen it. You know, understand, you understand what I'm saying? Like I. They were saying it like, oh, he was somewhat getting dominated. I mean, maybe I'm hearing it wrong. It was like, oh, he was getting dominated. Uh, 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 Dillian was controlling the fight pretty, pretty easily, pretty comfortably, and he looked every bit of forty. And I'm like, yeah, I guess he looked every bit of forty, but he didn't necessarily look like he was getting dominated. I feel like he was given almost as good as he was getting until the fourth round when he got dropped twice. I mean, there wasn't really much to differentiate the two. I mean, I think Dillian might have been winning the rounds, but it wasn't like he was winning them by a lot. And I've seen similar mistakes from Dillian that I've seen in the past. I always, I wasn't being hypercritical of him or criticizing him for not being able to do this or do that. But I was always, yeah, standing tall. I was all you standing tall. Yeah, standing yeah. way too tall, locked at the knees, not really able to honestly make certain adjustments to that. I really feel like he should. Be a little more bent at the knees, a little more sturdy in some of his in, in, in some of his defensive tactics. But I mean, look, he's been winning. But if you really pay attention to a lot of the fights, even when he was winning, some of these fights he at toward the end of the fight, guys started to land shots on him. And then, you know, like even at the end of the fight with um, uh, the Cuban guy, can I keep forgetting his name? I actually was going to fight him at one point, Oscar Rivas. 
he was getting caught with some shots, you know, and, and, and buzzed and stuff like that. And same thing with uh, with um, when he was fighting Joseph Parker. It's a similar situation. And as I keep going back to, okay, now, Dillian's a powerful guy. He can punch. He has good range. He's, been, he's a much better boxer than in the past. He's, he's improving his entire game. But that one aspect of his game that's – I'm not saying his defense is terrible or he's not – him being standing straight up at the knees, locking his knees and not really being as sturdy in his positioning because everything starts from the ground up. That is the most important part. Your footwork, your, your footwork, your, 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 the way you stand, your, how sturdy your, 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 your stance is, those things all play a huge part in your overall game. And what I, what I say is if you can't, if you you don't build a house on quicksand. Now I'm not saying Dillian's house was built on quicksand, but he's definitely got some unproven ways with the way he, the way his positioning is. You understand what I'm saying? And you can be successful with it, obviously, because he's been very successful, and he and he was even successful in this fight. But there's always that one chance that you got this old guy, this old dog in front of you. And to me, when it happened. Dillian threw a right hand that he really didn't need to throw because De- Pavekin was already by past basically his elbow. So there was really no need for him to extend that shot out there. It was already gone. I just think he did it off a reflex and maybe made a mistake. Once that right hand left his chin and he extended it over top of Pavekin's body, the left uppercut was the only the only shot that he, that he could throw. It was a perfectly timed shot. The hand was out. And that's what, if you watch the video of the fight, which I've watched many times. And you see the shot that that, that uh, Dillian threw. It was like, why? If he doesn't throw that shot, maybe he never gets hit with that perfect shot at that time. Maybe he gets hit with the shot, maybe it doesn't catch him as clean. But when he put that shot out there, it leaned slightly over just enough for Vivekin to get that left uppercut to land perfectly on the chin. And you saw the result of it. Yeah, and, you know... I want to go over a few things that you said. Um, I didn't really think that Dillian White was dominating as well. You know, I think the commentary yeah. was pretty bad. I don't know if what you've mm-hmm. seen has been like a DAZN thing where the commentators will be slightly different. But over here on Sky, mm-hmm. you know, they were saying like Dillian's in total control. I actually gave Pavekin right. all three of the first three rounds before he gets dropped obviously twice in the fourth you know but it was a slow start from both guys you know Povetkin Povetkin if anything was the aggressor he was on the front foot for the first two rounds for sure you know he was uncocking the left hook he's the famous left hook multiple times and I feel like White you know, become sort of the aggressor in the third round early on, but even then, he went back to you know, kind of boxing off the back the back foot. But it was a really slow paced fight, uh, you know, right. through the first three rounds, and no one had landed anything telling at all. Um, getting into the fourth round, where the drama unfolded, you know, initially, Pavetkin gets caught square on. Um, he didn't appear to be hurt at all. It was like a short left hook of Dillian White right on the inside. Uh, Povetkin also, uh, you know, obviously walked up, uh, sorry, walked on to an uppercut late on. And I don't know, like, I was thinking, it seemed like his punch resistance just evaporated overnight almost because 
the yeah. shots didn't look big, and to be honest, he didn't really look that hurt. He just kept going down, and of course, right. um, you know, it becomes a ten-seven round. But I had it all square going into the fifth round because of that. I gave Povetkin the first three. Um, I will just say this: I, because Dillian, uh, Dillian White, obviously, and and Povetkin were both trading sort of left hooks to the body, and Povetkin, I felt was was more sort of gung ho with his left hook, and. I, straight away in the first round, I, I saw that Dillian White didn't like these left hooks. I mean, obviously, I'm, you know, it sounds it sounds silly. Who likes a left hook anyway? But he, he wasn't reacting well to these left hooks from the first couple ones that Povetkin threw to the body. And I don't know what it was. He just looked a bit disorganized from the very first two or three that Povetkin threw. And I was speaking to my dad at the time, and I said, I tell you what. This ain't this don't look right. Dillian White, I can see him getting knocked out. That's what I said, and, and I back it up. I went and put money on the fifth round, and it was forty to one, and it came in. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, I put a really, really small stake on it, so I didn't really win much. But you know, I spread it out over the rounds from like you know first round right up to the twelfth. So I put a little amount on each round, but. I don't know, I just, I saw it in the first 30 seconds. I'm not trying to say I'm some boxing, flipping, I don't know, some boxing crystal ball guy, but I I just I just saw something. He just didn't look organized. When Povetkin was throwing it, he looked, he looked a bit worried. He looked a bit scared for me. No one else seemed to pick it up. Maybe I'm crazy, but mm. I, I, I just saw mm-hmm. something, Eddie, you know? And then, uh, I tell you, I tell on, you what, I tell you what, I tell you what, um, you're not far off what I was thinking throughout the whole thing it just looked like he was reacting yeah but not like you would expect a guy who's overly com- not overly confident but super confident in what's going on it's like i remember when i was fighting P- povekian and he was throwing shots at me and i just always felt till obviously i couldn't punch back but i always felt under control and it's the same thing with anybody even when i was fighting vladimir early on before i got caught with the right hand i felt a hundred percent sturdy and under control. Like nothing could knock me off my, off my zone, off my pedestal. Way. With Dillian, and there's certain fights and there's certain guys that you can see that they're just not comfortable with, with what's coming at them. You know what I'm saying? And it's almost like to me when Dillian dropped him twice, it was almost like a relief to him. Like, oh man, I hope I get this guy out of here because I don't want him to be in front of me all night type thing. You know? And it's like it just, I really agree. It really seemed as if he wasn't all there. And it's disappointing to see him get stopped like that because I really wanted to see him with, you know, he's a younger guy. He's got a future. He's got a title shot coming up. He got a lot of things that could happen for him. And um, to be derailed like this is just unfortunate. Yeah. And again, it speaks volumes about how good of a fighter Povetkin is because you mentioned Eddie, when he beat you all those years ago to think that he's Mm -hmm. still one of the very best in the world. Now he's, I think he's going to be 41 next month, something like that. He is such a brilliant fighter, and he has been for such a long time. Um, I don't know why sometimes he gets overlooked. Even like people going into this fight felt that Dillian White was going to knock him out. I know it nearly came true when he was down a couple of times, but you know the disrespect he sometimes gets. You know, I never in a million years I said it to anyone who would listen to me. No way in the world is Dillian White going to knock him out. That's what I was saying to everyone. I thought Dillian White would probably get it on points. I said that. I felt he'd get it on yeah. points, and it might even be very controversial, even very close. 
But um, yeah, you know, the fifth round, obviously, Povetkin threw a jab. He kind of ducked to his left, found space for an excellently timed um, left uppercut. And that was it. Like I say, that was all she wrote. I want to go through a couple uh, sort of quick things. I don't want to spend too much time on this fight here. But um, I do feel gutted for Dillian White because there was so much on the line. Um, He's took about eight really tough fights in a row and he didn't need to he could have sat on the on the position stuff like that i you know i feel very sorry for him on one hand cuz you know he he comes so far for this this big setback it's a big setback right at the final gallop if you like he was about to get made you know basically mandated properly they were going to send a you know a, you know like a time period for the winner of Wilder Fury 3 and whoever would you know whoever'd win has got to defend really quickly against White but um I feel sorry for him yeah. for that respect but also when you actually think about it I think he's headlined about five pay-per-view shows now Dillian White hasn't ever won a world title and he's made millions of of of, of pounds so I don't feel too sorry for him financially but just in terms of his achievements you can't help but but feel bad for him um I'm kind of hoping that the WBC might find some sympathy somewhere to kind of do something for him. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, I think the WBC tweeted out pretty quickly after the fight, congrats to Povetkin, you know, so I don't know. But, um, yeah, you know, it's tough. It's, yeah, it's, it is a tough one. Tough situation. And yeah. I, I just want to reiterate once again, you know, a knockout loss like that, even though it was devastating, it doesn't mean that Dillian White's done. Um you know, no. it doesn't mean that even though he's got the two knockout losses, obviously to Povetkin and and AJ. Um, again, it's just another 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 one on the list, the long list. It's becoming of upsets during the the uh, the quarantine. We've we've seen upsets almost yeah. every week. Um, you know, well, you know just, the good thing about. Go on. Sorry, no, I was I was. I'm sorry. Go ahead, do it. No, I was just going to say, obviously, another another factor is that Dillian White changed his uh his, his trainer um kind of you know right but you know a few weeks or whatever it was or a couple months before uh the actual fight and he he obviously um you know got with this new trainer that that no one really sort of knew i, I known him we had him on last week's show but you know he was he's very kind of unknown to to people like that you know he's not known and um Already, people are saying he should run back to his old trainer with his towel between his legs, stuff like that. You know, it's, it's, I feel for him as well. Um, there's obviously this rematch clause that was put in place on the contract, Eddie. Um, they're talking already about getting a rematch on for November, as soon as November, or at the worst, mm. December, to basically be mm. ready for a Fury fight. Or, or a wilder fight, whoever wins, by about February, if he were to avenge the loss to Povetkin. Short as possible, Eddie. Good idea or not to get the immediate rematch in with Povetkin that soon? Well, it all depends on how he's doing, you know, what the damage was. I mean, it was one shot, so it was good that, you know, most of the time guys try to, you know, like they'll go rounds and rounds of getting dominated and knocked around, kind of like AJ did when he fought. Andrew Ruiz, and he just kept trying, even though, you know, it was basically, you know, futile. But it was one shot. He's going to take the eye, in my opinion, when stuff like that happens, take the rematch. But take the rematch in a time frame that you're comfortable, that you're ready. You know, you don't want to do it just because, you know, you know, 
emotions are getting to you. You know, I feel like I'm better than him. I can beat him. Then you get back in there too soon, and then you're damaging yourself permanently. You know what I'm saying? That's that's a, that's the one of the biggest problems with a lot of these guys getting the CTE and these different things is constantly going back and damaging yourself over and over and over when you're just when you're not even fully recovered. I don't know how Dillian's feeling. I don't know what's the level of, of hematoma that he had in his head and all of those things. And, you know, is he's going to be fully recovered by that time? But definitely he needs to think about it before he just jumps right back in there and fights again. I mean, you got to think about your career. Shit, if you wait another two or three months after that and get the fight done then and you feel great and you win and you look impressive, then you have your opportunity to fight for the title. Maybe you'll be better off, better prepared, better. You'll feel better just in general. You'll have a better camp. All these things play a fact, you know, make uh, play a big factor in your future, you know, endeavors as, as a fighter. So I think I'm not trying to say for him not to take it. It's, I'm saying that he should definitely think about taking it as soon as he's ready, but not in, not a second before that. You know what I mean? I think, I think the fact that Povetkin has the belt, or, well, the, the, the position, let's say, he's going to be happy with whatever he gets. And, you know, he wants, he's probably eager to go back out and prove that he can do it again. So I don't think that they'll have a problem with waiting. But um, if he's not prepared, if he's not ready, you know what I mean, at that time, if the WBC grants him that stay, he should take it. You know what I mean? I think he, I, really should, I really think he should think before he just jumps back in there too fast, you know? We shall wait and see. Um, another thing I, I kind of asked the, uh, the our followers on Twitter is that um, who do you now rate as... I'm not asking you this, Eddie, but I asked them, who do you now rate as the fourth best heavyweight in the world? Because everyone's pretty mm. much got Wilder, Fury, Joshua in whatever order they want, one, two, and three. Number four, no one's quite sure on. A lot of people would have said Dillian White, but now he's been beaten by Povetkin. Um, mm-hmm. a guy who in his last fight clearly should have had a loss to Michael Hunter there's argument for Hunter there's argument for Usyk but he hasn't really, he's only had the one fight against Chaz Witherspoon at heavyweight, he didn't look amazing that night and um, some people say Andy Ruiz, I can understand why you'd say that so no argument with that but it, it's it's opened up a lot of questions for who's on that 4th or 5th spot um, if anyone didn't uh, have their say on the poll I put out. We had a hundred and something votes or whatever. If uh, yeah, if, if you didn't give your opinion and you want to, it's not too late. Send it in at Box Hard Podcast on Twitter. We'll read it out next week and discuss it. Um, yeah, so uh, very interesting things in the heavyweight division as ever. Um, I want to say this as well. I'm not I'm not very good at, at this impression, but I'm going to do one in a sec, Eddie. You can't do a Donald Trump impression, can you? No, I cannot. Right. I'm I'm gonna, not even did you see what he said? I think it was last week or, or something when he was in Eastham. No, I didn't. What did, what did he say? I missed oh, it. Oh, it was golden. I wish we could play it, but uh, I'm going to try to... So he's he's up on, you know, he's up on a stage or whatever, you know, outside somewhere in Eastham, PA, and he's... Uh, I'm going to try the impression. This is bad. No one get mad at this because this is... I, I don't really practice my... Uh, <laughs> My Donald Trump. He's up Donald on a stage Trump. and he's going, uh, the great people of Eastern PA, whatever. I can't do it. I can't do it. Anyway, he says he's the great. Just do oh, it, man. God, let me try. Do it, do it, Joe. Come on, man. Don't, don't, don't <sighs> give up on yourself. <laughs> so he basically says, 
man. Right. You're really putting me on the spot. Let's just let's just try. Here we go. <laughs> so he goes, um, you know how he does. He t- you know, the great people of Eastern PA, and he goes, um, fantastic place. I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't know why I can't do it. Normally I could do it. But I can't do it right now for some reason. You just yeah, you just you got the middle block right now. Yeah. I know. I'm just I just I just can't do it. So he goes, uh, the people of Eastern PA, very nice place. I can't. I don't even know what I'm. Do- what accent was that? Right. Let me just regroup. No, no, just keep going with it. Just keep going he with goes, it, man. Don't stop. Yourself. Right. He says, "I can't. I just can't do it. I'm just gonna do it. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm just gonna have to do it in my own voice." So he says, "The people of Eastern PA, beautiful place." And he goes, "How's Ernie doing? How's Ernie doing?" He says. He goes, Ernie. "Yeah, yeah. Listen to this." He goes, "How's Ernie?" Remember Ernie? How's Ernie? How's he doing? Great guy, Ernie. And everyone's like, what? And he goes, Ernie Holmes was a heavyweight world champion. <laughs> oh, Ernie wow. Holmes. Ernie Holmes, right? And someone shouts out, someone shouts out, Larry. And he goes, oh yeah, Larry Holmes. Oh, um, <laughs> I, I know another one called Ernie Holmes. That's why I said that. He knows another, he knows another one. What, another Heavyweight Ernie, world champion called Ernie, Ernie Shavers. Holmes. <laughs> Ernie Shavers wasn't even a world champion. I know. <laughs> but he goes, Ernie another Holmes. One. He's, uh, I know another one called Ernie Holmes. <laughs> so he knows another oh, heavyweight world champion that we don't know called Ernie Holmes. But um, <laughs> that was it. So Larry Holmes. <laughs> Yo, are you serious? <laughs> Larry, oh my God, Larry Donald Holmes. Trump is- we love Donald, Donald Trump's crazy. We, we, yeah. we, uh, we, you know, Larry Holmes went on Twitter. This actually, this kind of annoyed the real Larry Holmes. He goes on Twitter and he, he makes a tweet. Um, he says something along the lines of, My name is Larry. He retweets and, and actually tags President Trump. He says, My name is Larry. And he puts a hashtag saying, We are not friends. So. It, it really annoyed the Eastern assassin. And, uh, yeah, I mean, who wants to be called Ernie Holmes? I mean, anyway, it was just so funny because I'm going to send you the clip afterwards. It was absolutely brilliant. And someone in the comments said, they said, I love how he just can't admit that, that he got it wrong. He, he messed up. He has to actually say, I know another one called Ernie Holmes. <laughs> I love I love some of the things he comes out with. He is so how's how's Ernie? Yeah, yeah, that's what he says. How's Ernie? Great guy, Ernie. Great guy. Fantastic. But Was he? He, and he says he says um, he goes when he corrects himself. He goes on to say, yeah, you know, gave Muhammad Ali his toughest fight. Great fighter. You know. Oh man, it was yeah. terrible. <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> yeah. So I apologize as well no, for my that? awful uh, impression there. But, um, no, no, I, it's cool. It's, it's the funniest part of the whole thing is that he really thought it was Ernie. Ernie. <laughs> yeah, Ernie. That's what I mean. Talking of talking of Ernie Shavers, by the way, you brought him up. I bought a glove the other day. Um, it's turned up now. It's arrived in my possession. I bought it from the states on eBay. It's a signed Ernie Shavers glove. Um, mm. But he famously, rather than just signs his signature like most boxers would do, he does that, but he also puts a quote on the gloves, um, a quote that Ali said. And, um, you know, he signed the glove and it literally reads, I've got it here, it reads, 
Ali said, and then it's got speech, you know, what are they called again? What are they called? Speech, speech marks. And it says, yeah. um, Ali said, speech marks, Ernie hit me so hard that my, uh, my kinfolk back in Africa felt it. So that was a cool, <laughs> a cool thing to grab. And it was cheap as well. So if anyone's listening, uh, that's, that's a pretty cool thing to, to own there. I feel anyway, getting back onto the review part of things. I apologize. We're going to now go to the fly by night rehearsal studios in Worcestershire, United Kingdom. Never heard of this place, but anyway, it was on channel five, Mick Hennessy back in business. Your, your, uh, former promoter for a brief time, Eddie. Um, anyway, this card here was topped by Shakam Pitters, who's now 14 and Oh, a unanimous decision win against Chad Sugden for the British light heavyweight title, the vacant British light heavyweight title. So Shakam Pitters undefeated British champion. I want to see him in big fights. There's a lot of fights there. I want to see him take on the likes of Craig Richards, who of course, Chad Sugden had a draw with last time out. Also on the undercard, Isaac Chamberlain returned after about two years out the ring, something like that. He's now 11-1. and one. He took out in just three rounds Anthony Woolery, who's now 2-3. and three. Um, A body shot finish for Isaac Chamberlain. Uh, moving out now to the Microsoft Theatre in LA, California. This one was on Fox. Um... I didn't watch it, but it was for the vacant WBC silver welterweight title. Sean Porter, from what I've heard, absolutely um, beat the you-know-what out of Sebastian Formella, who was actually undefeated 22-0, and um, one-sided landslide unanimous decision over 12 for Porter, who's now 31-3 and with a draw. Uh, moving out now to the bubble in the MGM Grand Las Vegas, Nevada, Two fights to mention. A win for former world champion Rob Brandt. He's now 26-2. and A retirement win for him after five rounds against his opponent, Vitaly Kopelenko, who's now 28-3. and But the main event, former light heavyweight world champion Alida Alvarez, 25-1. and Of course, the one lost to Kovalev after he knocked Kovalev out in the first fight, then lost on points in the rematch. So a good fighter, Alvarez. He took on... The hard punch in danger, man, Eddie. Who wants to fight this guy? Joe Smith Jr., 25-3 and three of... Um, where, I think, where's he from? Is he Long Island, I think, Joe Smith? Yes. Yeah. Is it Long Island or is it... Um... Rhode Island. Rhode Island. There I we think go. it's Long Island. I think it's Rhode Island. I don't know. Anyway. I think, it's, I think it might be Rhode he's Island. From, you might he's be from Rhode. somewhere in, in New York. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, dangerous, dangerous man is Joe Smith Jr., and he proved it once again here. Um, he doesn't always kind of get the credit. He gets, he gets, you know, sometimes kind of disrespected for being a one-dimensional fighter. And this time around, he was less one-dimensional than I've ever seen before. Um, you know, obviously such a hard puncher, carries power in both hands. He was very, very creative, Joe Smith Jr. And Alvarez, who had the far superior pedigree. And of course, like I say, being an ex-world champion, I thought he'd be able to work Smith out. He can punch himself. A lot of people felt that, um, you know, that Alvarez could probably get the knockout. Myself and Barry last week didn't see it going the distance, and it didn't. But another underdog win, like I mentioned earlier on in the show, Joe Smith Jr. took his man out in the ninth round. So a brilliant win for Joe Smith Jr., which... I think, gets him a world title shot. They're talking about Baturbiev 
he mm. welcomes that fight because he is a little bit crazy in a good way. Um, moving out now to the final two cards to mention, actually. We're going to review this one here really quickly. It was an MTK Global show that took place just yesterday at the Production Park Studios in Yorkshire, United Kingdom. A win for Gary Cully um, over, Qua- uh, over Craig Woodruff. Um, so Gary Cully now 11-0. and 0. Uh, Lee McGregor with a win against Ryan Walker. A good win there for Lee McGregor, now 9-0. and 0. Uh, Darren Tetley lost his O. 20-0 going in against Liam Taylor. 21-1 and 1 with a draw, a win for Liam Taylor. And the main event, Lewis Crocker against Louis Green. 12-1 uh, and 1 Green, Lewis Crocker, 11-0. and 0. That one was for the vacant WBO European welterweight title. A win there for... Lewis Crocker, um, and like I said, a final card to mention, uh, we're going to go over to Australia, down under at the Queensland Country Bank Stadium, um, Tim Tzu, the son of Kos Tzu, now 16-0, and a win for him, um, very, very, very one-sided, I'm going to be completely honest and say I didn't watch this one either, but I've seen reports, very, very one-sided, beat down, against former world champion, the Pacquiao slayer, Jeff Horn. Uh, so Tim oh. Tazu with the eighth round TKO. Uh, Horn was down twice in the third round, twice in the sixth round. Um, and I believe the referee stopped it. There was a bit of confusion. Some people said he quit. I don't know. It was for the IBF Australasian Super Welterweight title and the WBO Global Super Welterweight title. But... Brilliant win for Tim Tazu, um, who I kind of thought, I mean, I'd never really seen much of him before this, but obviously Jeff Horn, you know, for me, beat Pacquiao fair and square. Uh, tough, tough guy, if nothing else. Very awkward, very fit, and uh, it just seems like he is really burned out so quick. You know, someone tweeted saying, how on earth has he had under 25 fights? And he, he just looks like, uh, you know... Like he's been in wars for his whole career. It seemed to have just burned out so quickly. Um, one interesting factor that is is really political and real BS, to be completely honest with you. But it didn't matter in the end. But one of the judges for the fight, one of the official judges, can't remember his name. But he was actually a corner man for Kostazu, Tim Tazu's dad. So back in the day, he was a corner man. Then he ends up being appointed one of the officials, and then they find out that this judge has got his own private gym, who's been training there for the whole of training camp, Tim Tazu himself. So that was BS, man. He basically should have been wearing a Team Tazu tracksuit while he was judging, but they didn't need him in the end because uh, Tim Tazu dominated and got his man out of there. But that's really it for the review part of the show. Uh, we're just going to bring in, in a couple moments, the... Uh, the sole guest on this week's podcast, the undefeated 5-0, 20-year-old heavyweight, 5-0, 5-KOs, 6-4, Tyson Fury sparring partner, Mr. Jared Anderson. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated heavyweight prospect with an exciting 100% knockout ratio. It is, of course, Mr. Jared Anderson. Jared, welcome to the show, my man. 
thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure, my friend. It really is. So, Jared, I'm excited to speak with you here because I doubt you've done tons of interviews with UK media outlets. So, I'm happy to be doing this and letting our listeners in on a bit of insight into yourself and, of course, your boxing career. Uh, let's start with your nickname, Big Baby, just like Jarrell Miller. Why, when, and how did that become your nickname? <laughs> I was a bigger and heavier set um, kid growing up. I was just big at a young age. Really, that's all it is to it. Uh, being in the gym, they thought I was a, a bigger kid, so they just start calling me Big Baby. Okay, fair enough. I like the the, the backstory to it. Um, obviously, you know you boxed amateur for a while before turning pro. What what kind of was your favorite moment of the amateurs? My favorite moment. Um, I probably would say winning the Brandannen Cup in Germany. Um, that was kind of a key a key thing for me. It was I say it was it was probably a key moment where I just knew like, oh yeah, this is this is my uh go to, this is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. Or do for for a career at least. And what was that like? Obviously you mentioned they're going to Germany. Do you like travelling, obviously coming to Europe for that? Um, it's all right. It's not it's not um, my favorite thing to do, especially not flying that far, but I, I, I like it, though. Okay, cool, cool. So getting on to your pro career, Jared, obviously you're 5-0 and with five KOs. You haven't, you know, boxed anyone of note just yet, of course. Like like we say, you're only you're only five fights in, but you've only boxed one guy with a losing record. So it's, a, it's an exciting start. In your last two fights, you've stopped guys that have never been stopped before. And today actually marks exactly 10 months since your pro debut. Um, things are going very well, I take it, Jared. Very well, very well. I'm excited and um, happy with the way Top Rank is moving me. And of course, it's been well documented that you've shared rounds in the gym with the likes of Tyson Fury. I know you've probably been asked this a thousand times, but what was that like for you, obviously, to experience something like that, to be around you know, a fighter like that so early on in your pro career? These kind of things pay dividends. People you know, people would die for these opportunities, if you like. Yeah, um, it was a great experience. I learned a lot. Um, took a lot from it and just soaked soaked all the uh, game and all the information up to do um, just to better my career. Uh, it was a, it was a great experience learning uh, what it was kind of like, you know, in the UK and what different how what the differences were of, of us growing up and him growing up. So it was it was a great experience. The sparring was great. Uh, the sparring partners were even better. Uh, spending time with them. We're a great group of guys, um, and we just we had a, a blast. It was a, it was a great time. We went bowling, you know, we bonded and did stuff. Excellent, man, excellent. And um, obviously, you know, you're participating in heavyweight boxing. Do you watch the heavyweight division as a fan, or do you not watch much much boxing? Uh, the heavyweight division, I'm not really. I mean, I, I watch competition. Like if we got fights, um, kind of you know, similar five five or if you only got seven something like that um that then i'll watch and you know see what the competition is like but now nah, i don't i don't too much watch everybody else unless it's like a world title fight or something did you get to see anything of the fight on the weekend the big upset over here yes yes i did well I, I, not really i didn't watch the actual fight i just watched the uh highlights okay 
quite a shocking one for most of us UK fans over here. A big spanner in the works there. But getting back onto yourself, Jared, um, your next fight obviously is penciled in back in the bubble, September 5th as part of the Jamel Herring undercard. Um, is there any news on an opponent just yet for that or not just yet? Yeah, Rodney Hernandez is his name. Rodney Hernandez. Okay, that's you've caught me off guard a tiny bit there, but I've heard of him before. Who's he boxed before? I'm sure he boxed. Um, did he box someone recently? Martin Bacoli. That's that's how I know. Uh-huh. Yeah, he boxed Martin Bacoli, a guy who's kind of based over here. Okay, so a guy that's yeah, a guy that's mixed it with a lot of guys. Quite a lot of experience, Rodney Hernandez. Obviously, again, you know, he's been in there with the likes of Effie Jagber, a guy that you know very well. Yeah. Yeah. Stable made of mine. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's interesting. Yeah. That's, um, you know, these kind of fights, you're, you're boxing a guy like Rodney Hernandez, you know, as I say, kind of been around the block, boxed a lot of different guys, not just, you know, not just the, the likes of a Jaguar in, in the States. He's, he's pretty well traveled. He's, he's boxed many guys from different continents, even. Um, do you kind of use it as a measuring stick a little bit? Do you, do you try and compare your win to, 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 you know, his other defeats? I, I always do. It, it, it's kind of, I always look at it like that because it, it, it just, you know, the, the styles are the same. And I just think that, um, you know, if he can do it, I can do it. Um, so, you know, sparring with certain people just kind of helps out with that. Okay. And this will be your third time fighting in the bubble. Um, what's your experience like fighting with no crowds? I mean, it doesn't seem to bother you. You still seem to take people out, whether people are watching or not, ringside. Yeah, fighters are fighters for me. You know, um, cameras are not sparring and, you know, um, amongst just you and your uh, partner. So, not really do it affect me. I'm just, when I'm in there, I'm in there uh, once I hear the bell ring. I've just gone to a mode. And again, you mentioned there you like to kind of compare the way you fight against guys to how other guys have fought against the, the same opponent. Um, mm-hmm. I can imagine, though, you know, knocking every guy out, that must give you a real heap of satisfaction. But do, do you kind of think at one stage you might have to kind of tone down, if you like, on the punching power just so you can get some rounds in early? You almost need rounds because you're just blowing everyone away. Um, in this game, you don't get paid for overtime. So the more chances, the more rounds, the more seconds you take, uh, taking chances of getting hit and bigger punches coming or somebody coming for a desperation shot or dirty tricks. So I know a lot of people who are getting their butts handed to them and next thing you know, they try something slick or um, something to hurt you to get you, um, get them more in the lead or get them ahead. Um, so, yeah, nah, we don't get paid for overtime. So, if they if they're ready to go, we're going to get them out of there. I love that answer there. And just coming down to the final couple questions, Jared, um, you know, we mentioned you've you've been a pro for 10 months. You've, you've had the five fights. It's about to be six. In a realistic world, a realistic world, where do you believe you can kind of get to in perhaps a year from now? As far as the number of fights? Yeah, I suppose the number of fights slash, you know, the level. Where do you want to be? Where do you believe you can be in a realistic world? Uh, I, I see ranked top 25 um, with 15 fights by any year's time. Yeah, I think that's a very fair 
view actually um yeah i'm excited for your development like i say i'm gonna put you on the spot a tiny bit here this is a question that we must ask to everyone that we speak to from overseas jared um, i haven't warned you about it so i'm putting you on the spot a little bit favorite uk fighter any era can be a guy that retired 155 years ago or a guy that's still lacing them up now to this day favorite uk fighter who springs to mind is it is it big tyson fury uh, it would have to be, yeah, it definitely. More, more because of his uh, charisma, you know how he carries himself, um, what he's accomplished and what he's come from. So I, I would have to say Tyson. Um, I'm, I'm not a big person on what they do in the ring. It's what you do outside the ring. I've seen him give back, give to charities and stuff like that. Um, he's a real kind-hearted man, and I, that's my biggest. Uh, that's the biggest thing I like about him. Yeah, an inspirational man. Um, outside and inside the ring. You, you said it good there. Um, and just finally, Jared, where can people follow you? Are you on social media? I'm not sure if you're on Twitter. Where can people follow you anyway if they if they decide to? Um, I'm on Twitter, Team Big Baby, two Y's at the end of baby. Um, on Instagram, Jared Anderson 419. Um, and Facebook, Jared Anderson. You want to get on Facebook too? Absolutely. So everyone listening to me, please go and jump on this bandwagon because it's going to go a long, long way, I believe. But listen, Jared, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you, my friend. Everyone loves a heavyweight that looks good and can knock people out. You also sound good too, and I believe you know more and more UK fans will get behind you as your journey progresses. Thank you for your time, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, the preview part. Uh, just actually need to see if there's any news before we get into that. Hold my horses. I should. Um, yeah, a fight announcement. Josh Taylor, he will be taking on Appinun Kong Song. That's uh, rescheduled there. Obviously, it was supposed to take place in the pandemic completely. Um you know, killed that event, and now that one will be taking place at the BT Sports Studio on Saturday, September 26th. Um, also, Frank Warren has announced a card for September 12th, again, back at the, the uh, you know, the BT Sports Studio, I believe. Um, could be wrong, I think it's the BT Sports Studio, but anyways, the, the fights on the bill are what is important. We get to see Echo Esserman take on Cedric Paynaud. Of course, Paynaud being the Frenchman that gave Connor Ben nightmares. Uh, he takes on Echo Esserman. A good fight between Mark Heffron and Denzel Bentley for the IBF European middleweight title. Good, good fight there. Um, Nathan Gorman in his, I think it's his first fight back since losing to Daniel Dubois, or has he already had? Some kind of low-level win, I can't remember. He takes on former Daniel Dubois opponent, Richard Larty. That's the guy with the nice, shiny, bald head and the bright yellow kind of slash orangey, gingery, gold kind of beard. Um, yeah, he looks like, uh, you know, some kind of Father Christmas from the future. But very, very tough African fighter, you know. At one point against Dubois, they just decided to throw their boxing skills out the window and just go punch for punch. And for a while, it looked quite scary. I think he had Dubois um, in a bit of trouble, there. I say, for uh, a few seconds. They were just trading big shots, trading bombs. And the card is topped by Anthony Yard in his first fight. Well, no, not his first fight, because he had a... 
like meaningless fight really in Spain um, against someone who was terrible, but you know a proper fight here really. His first kind of proper fight since losing to Sergei Kovalev. He takes on Dex Spellman, who um, he's just come off a loss to uh, was it? Uh, who did he lose to? He lost to Lyndon Arthur, I think it was, wasn't it? So uh, yeah, Dex Spellman back. Not had much notice, I don't think, because he was boxing, was it two weeks ago, something like that. The crazy thing about this pandemic is they're announcing big fight cards like two weeks from the day they announce it, it's on, you know. Um, Which is very different, because usually we have to wait about four to five months for the proper promotion build-up. Anyway, that's it for the news. Moving on to the previewing, we're going to start here with a card that takes place tomorrow, Friday 28th of August. In the Havel Studios in Berlin, Germany. Um, a good fight. I really, really like this fight. Jack Kalkai, obviously a very good amateur. Um, did he win a version of a world title or something like that? Can't remember. Jack Kalkai, 28 and 4. Um, obviously has losses to the likes of Demetrius Andrade in what was actually quite a close fight. I think Andrade had to travel. Um, to Germany for that one, if I'm not mistaken. He's also got losses to the likes of Sergei Derevyanchenko and Masio Selecki. So, you know, no shame in those losses. He still is a good fighter. He takes on, who's, uh, you know, a guy here who's really stepping up in class, Abbas Baral, who's obviously 9-0. I'm not sure if he's still training with Adam Booth or not. I think he is. I think he is. Um, so that should be really, really good. I really like that fight. That's a risky fight there for Abbas Baral, who's still building up. That's a 12-rounder as well in Germany there. Moving out now to Florida at the Osceola Heritage Park. Cassius Cheney, undefeated heavyweight friend of the show, 18-0 and an 8-rounder against Chauncey Welliver, who's got quite an amazing record, actually. 57 wins, 12 losses, and 5 draws. Who is Chauncey Welliver, Eddie? You must know this guy. Seems like he's boxed uh, everyone. That name sounds familiar. He's, he's uh, I can't even. I, so he's yeah. He's he, he's he's definitely one of those guys who, who's you know obviously fought a lot of guys. I'm just I just can't remember. I can't remember. It's like it's like some of the guys I fought early on in my career. Even you know like like a Ross Purity kind of guy. Yeah, he's you boxed, know tough guy. Alexander Ustinov, Lucas Brown. Uh, yeah. Sherman Williams, uh, Burke, no, who's that? Yeah, Burke Cooper, um, yeah. Galen Brown, <laughs> twice <laughs> against Galen Brown. What? Oh uh, my God! Mike Galen rises again. Odlanius Solis. Uh, so, oh wow, he's, he's been in a lot, a lot of guys. <laughs> yeah, he's boxed quite a few guys. John Sargent as well. Didn't you oh, box him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. John Sargent. He lost to him on points. He boxed a guy called. He lost to John. Wait. Yeah, he, he lost, lost to John Sargent. John Sargent just... wasn't awful, though, was he? Listen, I mean, I'm not saying he was awful. I, I, I don't know. Because I walked through him like he wasn't even there. Like, I mean, it was just. Who was better then? I remember... Who was better then? John Sargent or Marcus Rohde? Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I don't know. I'm putting you I on the spot. Putting you on the spot because he beat Marcus Rody twice. Uh, John Sargent. He beat Mar- what? John Sargent did. Yeah. Um, what? Yeah, man. I, I when I fought John Sargent, 
I, he, I, he, I don't think he touched me. Well, I'm not even trying <laughs> oh, to. Yeah, you I'm said being, not even in a clinch. <laughs> no, and I hit him. I'm ready with these two body shots, and then I knocked him out with a right, like a double jet right. It was. I, he was just. He took punishment in that fight, and it, I think it was, it was it went two rounds. Oh, I can't remember. I think, I th- but this guy, I think it was two- this guy Chauncey Welliver, you know, he's this is going to be his seventy fifth fight. He's he's got twelve <laughs> losses, three by KO. If if Cassius Cheney can stop him, I suppose it's some kind of a statement. Moving out now to the BT Sports Studio in Stratford, London. Um, this one on Saturday, of course. Um, Willie Hutchinson was supposed to box uh, Luke Blackledge. I don't think that's happening now. Not quite sure if Willie's going to still be on the card, but I hope he is. He's a friend of the show, 11 and 0. Uh, David Adelaide, I don't think no opponent just yet, 2 and 0. Uh, a brilliant fight between Sammy Maxwell, 13-0 and 0 for the WBO European Super Lightweight title against former EBU European champion Joe Hughes, 17-5 and 5 with a draw. Um, I actually fancy Joe Hughes to possibly pull off the upset in that one. That is a really good fight, gone under the radar massively. Also undefeated Sonny Edwards, 14-0, and 0, defends his IBF international super flyweight title against Thomas Asomba, 10-5, and 5, way better than his record suggests. Very, very tough fighter, Asomba. And the main event, Daniel Dubois, 14-0, and 0, takes on Ricardo Snyders, 18-1, and 1, um, a Dutch fighter who, like I said, is a uh, former cruiserweight. So I'm not expecting much from him. That one's for the WBO International Heavyweight title. Daniel Dubois probably gets him out of there in one or two rounds. I don't even think it goes to the third. Snyders hasn't even had too much notice either. Uh, Moving out now to the Microsoft Theater in Los Angeles, California. Uh, This one is... Not that great of a carb, really, but Alfredo Angulo, 26-7. and 7. I didn't even think he was still boxing. 12-0, and 0, he takes... Sorry, not 12-0. 12 rounds, he takes on former world champion, friend of the show, all-round good guy, Caleb Truax, 31-4 and 4 with two draws. But the main event, Erislandi Lara, 26-3 and 3 with three draws, takes on Greg Vendetti, 22-3 and 3 with a draw. Um, I didn't even know... And uh, this is quite embarrassing, but I didn't even know that Eris Landy Lara was still a world champion in 2020. This one is for his WBA Super, uh, not WBA Super, WBA World Super Welterweight title, and also the vacant IBO World Super Welterweight title as well. So, um, yeah, it's been a year since... We last saw Lara in the ring. Moving out now to the Venice Arena in Florida, USA. Uh, One fight to mention, really. Former world champion Christopher Rosales, former opponent of Andrew Selby, Cali Afai. Uh, Charlie Edwards beat him, of course, for the world title. 29-5, he takes on Jano Tonte, who's 9-8 in a weird eight-rounder there in Florida. Um, And coming down to the last couple cards... Uh, gonna go here to the bubble in the MGM Grand Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, decent fight between Arnold Barboza Jr., 23 and 0 in a 10 rounder against Tony Lewis, who is 29 and 3. But the main event, a brilliant, brilliant fight. Jose Carlos Ramirez, 25 and 0, defending his WBC and WBO World Super Lightweight titles against former world champion Victor Postel. Um, brilliant fight Victor Postel 31 and 2 the two losses came to Terence Crawford and Josh Taylor um 
He got beat by Crawford quite handily, but Josh Taylor, who many would say is the best 140 fighter in the world, had a real, real close fight with him. Uh, Again, the scorecards didn't reflect that, but um, it was a very close fight. Um, It'll be very interesting to see how Jose Carlos Ramirez deals with him. Actually, there could be... You know, I'm going to look at those odds on Postal because that is tempting. He is a really, really good fighter. Over 12 rounds there, of course, I think it's the third time they've they've had this fight on. It was supposed to originally take place in China, and that is it was. I think it was even going to take place in Wuhan, where the coronavirus started. So that that got put off, of course, and then it's kind of gone from here to there, from here to there. It's finally happening this Saturday. Brilliant fight. And then a card that takes place next Wednesday, the 2nd of September. Um, just going to quickly preview it here, because by the time we record the show, the fights would have already took place next week. Um, a decent fight between Harlem Eubank, 9-0, and cousin of Chris Eubank Jr. Uh, he takes on Martin McDonough. That, that, uh, Martin McDonough lost to... Daniel Egbenike, I think it was, at York Hall. Uh, Martin McDonough now 8-1. and one. A decent fighter, uh, too much of a runner, really, I think, but could be interesting. Style clash there. Uh, Danazis 11 and 0 takes on Andre Sterling 11 and 2. Uh, that one's for the English light heavyweight title over 10 rounds. Both men are from Lewisham in London, which is quite a small area, really. It's, you know, it's, it's really quite small. They probably can't even both go to uh, the the local supermarket without bumping into each other. So that's a very close rival. Uh, rivalry kind of thing going on there. Brilliant fight. Um, and main event, Philip Bowes, 20-3, and three, takes on Akeem Ennis-Brown, who's 13-0. and oh, That one's for the vacant British super lightweight title and the Commonwealth super lightweight title, over 12. So that should be interesting. So we end there at the preview part of the show, uh, or on the preview part of the show, at the Production Park Studios in Yorkshire, United Kingdom. But that's about everything for this week's discussions. We did the review part. We talked at length about Dillian White and, and Alexander Povetkin. Uh, we, we, of course, brought in our first guest and our sole guest, I should say, the, the undefeated heavyweight, Jared Anderson. We talked about the news. And this is the end of the preview part. Um, so, yeah, just before I sign, I sign it all out, as I do, I do the ending every week. Alone, Eddie. Um, if you want to have a closing word, obviously we've, uh, you know, we've gone through this and um, haven't gone to you with your segment, so I'm, I'm apologising for that. Uh, we will definitely revisit that, uh, whether it be next week or the week after. But you know, we've 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 spoke here about, you know, the fights from last week, and you've kind of had more to offer to the discussions of it. It's been fun. It's been a it's been a lot like uh, the you know the shows we sort of did. Pre, right. uh, pre-pandemic, you know. Right, right. It's very, very similar to it. Um, I, you know, I like it. I mean, I've, even the pandemic version of the show is actually good. You know, with the lockdown, knockdown, and us talking about, you know, the career. But you know, it's just, it's overall just a good, informative talk. You know, for, for the for the listeners, I mean, you're getting you're getting a lot of good information you know you know getting of course opinions there's a, you know these are opinions a lot of these things but you know it's 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 just it's a lot of good it's a lot of good info along with opinions so it's nice to hear someone you know like us you know you're getting you're getting it from the horse's mouth so to speak with a fighter like myself being involved and then you're getting with a you're getting a good pundit here you know joey's becoming a really good uh uh guy uh to go to for information 
Judy knows more about somebody's about the current fighters than I do. So, you know, it's a it's a it's a good thing altogether, Joe. And uh, I'm enjoying being a part of it. And it's only going to get better from here. Wow, that was nice to listen to. That's my favorite part of the show there. Whereas uh, that's the total opposite. Uh, the feeling that that gave me was the total opposite to when I did the Trump impression earlier on. So it's nice to get a balance. <laughs> it's nice to get a balance. Yeah. But uh, like I said, Eddie, yeah. thanks once again. It is always a pleasure sharing the uh, you know the the mic, if you like, with you. So thanks once again, Eddie, for your input this week. Okay, and this wraps up episode 254 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our sole guest, the undefeated heavyweight prospect, Mr. Jared Anderson. One piece of news that has broken whilst we've been recording the show is that MTK Global have signed former world champion Paul Butler on an advisory deal. I'm wishing Paul, of course, all the best with that. Um, A friend of the show, uh, we had him on a few weeks ago as well. So all the best to him and, of course, MTK for that link up there. Uh, The Prediction League was back on the weekend. I, again, forgot to include it till the very end of last week's show. And, again, I've forgotten till the end of this week's show. But here are uh, the results, basically. You, the listeners, got one out of five predictions correct, which was Katie Taylor to win on points. I got two out of five predictions correct, which were Katie Taylor to win on points and Shakan Pitters to win on points. But the mystery man himself, the mystery man himself, Mr. Ayaz, Sumra came out of the dark and uh, wherever he is, he did manage to get three out of five right, which were Katie Taylor on points, Shakan Pitters on points, and Chris Congo by knockout. Uh, but that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.